Annyeong. Welcome to I've Made a Huge Mistake in Arrested Development Podcast. I am your host, Darren, and today I'm being joined by Adam Hlava. Hello, Adam. Annyeong. Good to see you. Good to talk to you, I should say. We're going to be talking about um, Season 4, Episode 3, Indian Takers, um, which was broadcast, as with all the episodes, on the 26th of May, 2013. It concentrates on Lindsay. Uh, in the opening credits, we hear a little bit of sitar and guitar. Uh, this was actually the fifth out of the 15 episodes produced. It's written by Caroline Williams and Dean LeRae. Um, Dean LeRae, of course, being a veteran from the original show. And as with all the episodes, they are directed by Mitch Hurwitz and Troy Miller. This episode runs 28 minutes and 15 seconds, so a full third longer than <laughs> a regular episode of Arrested Development. Um, and I'm going to give you the summary as it appears on the DVD, which is as follows. Lindsay tries to reclaim her sense of self while traveling and getting back to her political activist roots. Um, which, you know, I... The, the kind of the episode, it kind of breaks down into three parts, which is, you know, we see the aftermath of development arrested once more as Lindsay travels to India after reading <laughs> two thirds of Eat, Pray, Love. She got to the prey. She got to the prey portion of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is a joke that gets called back later in the show where someone has actually ripped off the love part. So it's only eat, pray, left. And she returns to testify for Lucille, you know, um, in exchange for some money, uh, which Lucille never gives her because she never actually testifies. Um, And then she, at the end, she meets Marky Bark, um, played by Dino, I have, it's not, Dino Diemtopolis's brother, Chris. Uh, And he's best known, I guess now you would say, for being on Silicon Valley. That's right. He was the uh, that's the billionaire guy in that. Yeah. Who uh, on his on his one of the appearances in the most recent season, he uh, drove away playing um, uh, Papa Roach, which apparently was a reference to Paul Ryan doing the same at some kind of event. (laughs) Which I just love the kind of layers of those jokes. Um, We've also got in this episode Maria Bamford and Ed Helms. Um, Becky Thayer, who played the waitress Loretta, appears here again. Um, and uh, Eddie Peppertone is the, the governor at um, CW Swappigans. Um, which I like, as, as the CW Swappigans scene is going on, in the back he's making pronouncements on what they'll <laughs> accept. And it's, it's just funny just to listen to him just yelling stuff out in the background. I had a hard time, um, like, understanding what was actually happening in that. But uh, it, apparently it was a <laughs> barter system. Uh, yeah. yeah okay. he, he's, ag- he's agreeing to what they they will barter. So people are like, you know, hotel soaps for, you know, like some <laughs> breadsticks. And he's like, no, we're not accepting any more hotel soaps. So there's just that kind of stuff going on in the background. Um, but yeah, and so, you know, and in that final part of the episode, we kind of get to Lindsay deciding to finally break up. Um, with <laughs> with Tobias after they both went to the Method One acting clinic, um, which is such a great joke. Probably my favorite joke of the entire season four is the Method One acting clinic. It's kind of a, a um, blink and you miss it moment, a little. All that, although I like as well that you get um, Tobias going and yes, yeah. like he's he's doing you know, obviously you know famous improv you know improvising technique is to go you know yes and. And he keeps going, yes, and uh, uh, some butter, yes, and. And he just keeps putting the words, yes, and, but it doesn't make any sense. He's like, sense. they're not giving he's... me anything here. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the, the episode. This is one of the more kind of, um, uh, you know, straightforward episodes in that the plot kind of starts at one point and ends, um, you know, setting up the next episode that Lindsay will be in, but also kind of setting up some of the stuff in, in some of the Tobias episodes. 
Um, you know, obviously, uh, Lindsay deciding at the beginning, uh, in the aftermath of um, Development Arrested, that she is no longer a Bluth, but rather a victim of the Bluths, which I thought was quite a clever kind of like commentary on the fact that basically she she has been, you know, for most of her life kind of tortured by Lucille, who obviously we found out at the end of the previous season wasn't even her mother. Right. So in in that way, it just looks like kind of child abuse between two strangers, basically. Yeah, um, Lindsay's been like she's always this seems like this character to me that she wants something to believe in and is like easily swayed to believe in something, but like doesn't quite care enough to follow through or just kind of gives up easily. Um, you kind of see, see that here a little bit, like with uh, how she she reads two thirds of a book, decides to go to <laughs> India, and then later on when her and Tobias are buying a house and. Um, she's easily swayed to buy a ridiculously huge mansion. Um, so I always like, I, I, I like the character because she's, she's like that. She, I, they play her kind of dumb at times, but I don't think she's, I don't think she's meant to be dumb in this. I mean, the opening scene is quite funny because before we get to the kind of aftermath, you know, when we, when we find out about her spiritual journey, which, you know, um, Ron Howard on point as the narrator, as always, talking about how she needed to let go of all her possessions and also find something cute, cute to keep all her stuff in. Which <laughs> is such a great kind of like commentary on what she's doing. Um, we have, um, you know, uh, Animesh, the, the the man who's on the mountain selling these bags, and um, <laughs> she's she's easily kind of kind of um, got by the the having his friend come and pretend that he wants the bag when he's going i will give you 64 and he's like uh, i'll give you 70 and then she ends up paying 120 dollars and uh everything in on in this like spiritual retreat is the best so it's like it's the best bag on the mountain mm-hmm. and when she gets a jacket later on it's the best jacket on the mountain and I just i didn't even pick up on that 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 was like a scam that the guy was doing that behind her. Okay. Because he does he does it a second time when he appears from behind the mirror saying, uh, yeah. I'll buy this <laughs> I'll buy this top. And he keeps doing it with all he seems to be like employed by all the, the different people in the market to just go around yeah, okay. and, and push prices up basically. Uh, but I just love how kind of, you know, how quickly she's taken in. Well, exactly. She's so easily swayed. And uh I you know the the there's so much happening in this episode that I feel like you need to watch it a couple times to pick up on that. Like every time, you know, I mean, even just talking with you about it now, like there's just new things that I didn't even like, like pick up on. Um, there's so many just blink and you miss it moments. And uh, I think that was, there, there was a lot happening even in this scene right now. I, I mean, I like that, you know, it, it is kind of lampooning the idea of, you know, rich white women, um, maybe like the author of the book of E. Pray Love, let's yeah. say, um, kind of just deciding to go to a foreign country and just by being in that country that gives them some kind of spiritual enlightenment because it, they're they're out of their comfort zone in some way although obviously <laughs> we find out that Lindsay is staying at a very expensive hotel and she's you know she has the option to book from one of four different shaman <laughs> um so you know she's not really experiencing india in any way more so much as she is experiencing the four seasons in in mumbai um, which, you know, is is kind of such a great commentary on the idea of, of you know, like a spiritual tourism. Exactly. Um, but obviously with Lindsay, you know, the fact that Lindsay also has this background of being, you know, um, someone who will, um, you know, have all these different causes and, you know, has always been known as being the charitable one. And so it, it is put against this background of this person who always thinks of herself as helping others. 
Um, but she only ever does those charities to help herself. The India scene, it, I mean, it, obviously it was filmed, I assume, in like the back lot of a, a film studio um, somewhere in California. <laughs> but uh, it, it was interesting because it also like for for the people that the fans of the show that kind of struggle with the change, um, how the, the format changed a little bit. I wonder if if it was like we're in India now. I mean, it, it's it felt it felt a little like not Arrested Development, the scene with just having Lindsay there. Um, but I do appreciate yeah. that they kept kind of the humor and like the fast paced humor. So it was it was a nice mix of like new and kind of old school. Uh, rest of yeah, I mean, especially as you have the double meaning, because when Amesh is selling the bag, he's like, you know, um, am I real? You know, uh, and then he says, and this bag next to me, is it real? And then, of course, it turns out he's not talking about like the nature of reality. He's just talking about the fact that it might may or may not be a knockoff Louis Vuitton. So <laughs> there's like immediately kind of like all these double meanings. Um, and, you know, I like as well that um, obviously if you know, the the cast, when they were filming this, couldn't all be together. So, you know, there's a lot of solo um, cast members. Uh, you know, a lot of scenes with just Lindsay by herself in this episode in particular. Um, but I, I like that, <laughs> that um, obviously, maybe is here, but in disguise um, as the shaman, um, giving Lindsay terrible advice. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, she's only there as a shaman to try and get Lindsay to notice her, her but not, you know in india but when they get back home so she keeps trying to send her back home and saying love is back home meaning that she's got to go back to her daughter um and i like that Lindsay completely misses the point when um the shaman says do you have any children and she's like why are you hitting on me and it's just like no that's yeah. not what like i just love how this episode has a lot of Lindsay forgetting that that like um that maybe exists which obviously was, you know, something common in the the show originally, anyway. So yeah, was that that was a call? That's a callback to previous seasons, right? Hasn't she always sort of like yeah forgotten about the, her own child? I mean, the, there's also a moment when um, in the in season three where uh, where Michael says to to Joe because do you remember growing up with a sister? And Joe just goes uh, yeah. no, and then he goes apart from Lindsay, and he goes oh Lindsay, of course, and Lindsay does the same with maybe where. You know, there's, where they have that big meeting and at the very end, maybe like turns up and Tobias is like, oh, finally, our daughter, we can stop looking. And it's like both of them are just terrible parents because they can be forgetting their daughter, um, which leads in this. I mean, in this episode, after, you know, after we get the the aftermath of the, you know, arrested, the development arrested, which, you know, in all of these episodes, you know, it's a common thing that after this to start off the episode, they show us what happened after the finale of season three. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually get a really good Lucille joke here where she says, you know, they're persecuting me. It was an accident. And she goes, if I'd have told them I was taking a bunch of gays out there to get married, they'd have thrown me parade. And then she comes up with that as a kind of cover story. And then we get a, a, the, re, the return of Balboa Bay, Bay Window where it says Proposition Ape. Lucille Bluth protests gay marriage by marrying a gorilla, which is such a great cover with um, Buster dressed up as a gorilla. <laughs> um, leads, to, leads to Lucille saying, um, at least I was able to turn my queen around. And Tobias walks past going, none taken. <laughs> as if he's not taking offence at being um, at being called a queen. Which, I, you know, again, the, kind of the Tobias being gay thing is um, not as heavily leaned on in season four. But there's still a few little kind of callbacks. There's to like that. two jokes there, isn't there? There was another one yeah. early on, uh, something about like a hot seaman or something like that. Well, <laughs> yes, that's when 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 Lindsay is deciding to whether or not she should stay with Tobias, 
Um, he, t- you know, he talks about, yeah, the, the, you know, the uh, Michael's because he can't remember Michael's name. And he goes, oh, I was thinking of Michael the Hut scene, yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, quite funny. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I mean, obviously, Lindsay and Tobias's marriage is, was an important kind of part of, you know, the show anyway. Um, you know, particularly with them kind of trying to have, you know, start an affair or try and break up. Um, and, you know, um, here they, <laughs> I like how they decide to split up, um, except Tobias is not thinking that. And, um, <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I believe we're thinking the same thing. And then Lindsay goes, we should end it. And of course, Tobias at the same time goes, we should give it another shot. <laughs> and then he stops and goes, to the head, kill it. Yes. <laughs> and it's just such a, a great kind of like recovery from Tobias who, you know, he can, when he needs to be, he can be a skilled improviser. Uh, just not when he's actually acting, just, you know. Um, and, you know, for the majority of the episode, um, we, we get kind of um, Lindsay's kind of spiritual journey, um, which I think is funny because, you know, when we have that, you've got the, um, the, um, the cabbie, this is actually a joke which was kind of in the penultimate episode in season three, mm-hmm. where the cabbie is kind of um, giving the impression, due to the fact that he's you know played by by a, an Indian actor, he's given the impression that they're already in India, but they're oh, yeah. not already in India. They're you know they're talking you know Lindsay's talking about you know what it's like in India with this cabbie, and then it turns out that they're still in Los Angeles. And they're on the way to the airport. <laughs> and, um, you know, a joke which won't be, uh, you know, apparent for a few more episodes. Um, <laughs> Lindsay says, stay in your lane, anus tart. <laughs> which, which, you know, that means that basically Tobias is ahead of them in traffic. Um, but obviously it will, it'll take a couple of episodes before that joke becomes apparent. What really helps having the show, uh, having been released on Netflix is that you should probably watch this like three or four episodes at a time, I think, to kind of understand like the thread, the common thread of the, the main plot. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, like you said, they'll set up jokes in episode three that pay off in episode six that I don't think would have worked if it was like a weekly, you know, show back on Fox. Although they did do that a few times in Fox, you know, the whole thing with Buster's hand was set up uh, yeah. over the space of like 12 episodes before it finally <laughs> paid off. Um, but that was more of a kind of, you, you you see what happens with Buster's hand and then you rewatch the episodes and you get the jokes that they put in there. Uh, you know, that, you know, obviously um, Anus Tart is actually the name of an episode in a few episodes time. So, um, you know... And we find out how Lindsay ends up in the situation in India where basically she picks up the wrong baggage at baggage claim. So now she has no baggage. Um, And there is a joke on the bus where where something gets run over and a passenger says, you know, when Lindsay asks if they should stop, um, the the passenger says, no, it wasn't a cow. It was just a tourist. And everyone (laughs) starts laughing. And I I mean, I don't know that that is the real attitude of, of, you know, Indian people on buses, but... I think it's funny just to kind of contrast how Lindsay is concerned about something, but everyone else isn't. Yeah. And that's kind of like a contrast to, you know, when she's back home where she generally isn't the one who gets concerned about people. Um, so, you know, it's a nice little kind of, um, a nice little kind of touch. And the person, they, um, the person they hit don't, isn't it? Uh, do we find out that it's somebody that we know later on? Does that, isn't there a payoff? I th- yeah, that? I think it is. Yeah. I think that is a payoff for a few, a few episodes. Time. Okay. Um, 
But and I, I like as well. Well, this is where we get the. This is like a double joke because um, when Lindsay goes to buy that, um, she goes to the the mall mountain um, for a shopping spree. <laughs> now that she has no, she has no clothes. Um, she has no possessions, and this is where she she tries to buy what is meant to be a top by Kate Spade, um, but apparently no, it's a David Spade. <laughs> That's a pretty easy joke. I mean, I I feel like that joke's been done before. <laughs> yeah, but I still like it just because, uh, of course, this is where, um, you know, uh, VJ pops up again and, and starts saying, I love this jacket, yeah. best coat on the mountain, <laughs> kind of, and forces her to pay $100 again. Arrested Development sometimes is a little guilty of this, but they kind of stereotype India a little bit here, where when she's at the hotel, she says to the concierge, because she's, she's asking about the pool, and, and uh, the female concierge says, it's hard to tell because there's so, so many, many people, people in it, but it is a pool. Obviously, you know, a, a bit of the kind of Indian overcrowding. Um, and <laughs> when she says, can we get rid of the smell of lamb from my room? And the, the, the male concierge says, oh, which animal smell would you prefer? <laughs> so it's like, yeah. it's going to smell of an animal because it's India. And I, I feel like that's a bit of a cheap joke. Um, they do that joke again with a, something about a beach, right? Like uh, she was on a beach but didn't know because there were so many people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, India is a very crowded country. So sure. but, uh, I don't know. If, it feels like Arrested Development in the first three seasons probably would have aimed a little higher with the jokes. But, um, you know, I guess the country, you know, the country is only there to serve as spiritual enlightenment for Lindsay. So. Yeah. It's not like they're taking it seriously. Yeah, they probably took uh, some cheap shots at Mexico, I think, in uh, one of those episodes earlier. Yes, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah definitely. <laughs> um, she goes to the, sh- the shaman, who obviously, you know, is uh, is actually um, maybe. And um, <laughs> there is a joke about please don't squeeze the shaman. Yeah. Which is like such a kind of. <laughs> but that, that's what's of... brilliant about the show. Like these, even like the tiny little jokes that you might not even pick up on that are just they're cheap. But it's it's, I, I don't know. I, I always find it um it, it's very welcoming just to have like little like you know childish jokes like that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even pick up on that. That was maybe. Are we supposed to have known that in this that the the shaman was played by her? Uh, was it pretty no. clear? I mean, I guess if you're watching it a second time, it's pretty obvious because obviously in the maybe episode okay. they. They highlight this. I have to say the first time I watched it, I did kind of pick up on it because as much as they tried to hide Alia Shawkat, mm-hmm. um, even giving her a different name in the credits, I think, to the point to try and like hide her. Um, I, th- I think in the credits, they, they give her um, they give her a different name just to try and hide it. Okay. Um, I, I, to me, it was a little obvious that it was Alia Shawkat. Um, but I do, I do like that, um, you know, Alia Shawkat's shaman um uh, shaman shaman is is how it's put so obviously that being another callback to shamale um it's funny that um <laughs> that she can tell that the bag is fake like once again it seems like they're, they're talking about spiritual enlightenment and then it's like yeah. oh the bag is fake <laughs> clearly just look at the spelling you know like so it just turns it kind of calls back to a different joke um and, and then of course um you know she decides that she has to go back home um, and uh, this is where we we kind of <laughs> we get this weird thing where after the shaman has left, um, there's an ostrich in the place of the shaman, and she thinks that the shaman has turned into the ostrich <laughs> somehow, uh, which once again feels like a bit of a kind of like Western thing about like Eastern kind of you know m- magic or something like kind of um, you know that kind of thing like just uh, thinking that of course in India shamans can turn into ostriches. 
you know, just which just seems a little bit again, like you said, Lindsay being painted as being a little bit stupid. Um, My favorite part of the scene, I think, is the uh, bellhop or the uh, hotel manager yelling what we first think is yelling at the ostrich to get away, but he's actually <laughs> yeah. yelling at her to go away because her credit card is cut off. Yes, he does. He does say that the you know the shaman appointment was cancelled because the the Amex was declined. And then he it does look like he's and I, I got to admit, uh, rewatching it uh, you know before we did this, I did think he was yelling at the ostrich, and then I remembered that he's yelling at her. And then when he goes, you know, sorry to yell, but. As I said, it was declined, so get out. <laughs> which, is, which I just think is, you know, quite funny. I, I like as well how, um, you know, uh, Lucille suggests that, uh, you know, she needs her loving daughter smiling next to her um, husband sitting behind me at the trial. And Lindsay negotiates by saying, would you take a grimace? <laughs> um, <laughs> which, which I think is quite funny. Um, and we get a little bit of, um, you know, some of the, the plot from Michael's point of view. Uh, which was talking all about the stimulus money. Um, you know, I think people at this point might forget, but obviously in like 2009, there was a lot of stimulus money that the uh, the Obama administration gave out. Um, and, you know, um, Michael, of course, talking about how, you know, <laughs> stop doing the prayer hands and uh, <laughs> various things. Um, and, you know, I like how, um, you know, she decided to get back together with Tobias and Tobias kind of meekly from behind the bush goes, I got the part. <laughs> like As though being, you know, Lindsay's husband uh, is is a part that he can kind of audition for. I was a little confused by this because the the episode still takes place in 2006, right? Isn't it, ta- it takes place right around the time of season three. Or is, was there meant to be a time jump? Now, there's a little bit of a time jump because for Michael, I think this is 2008 or something like that, or oh, 2009. Okay. So in Michael's episode, it has actually moved forward a few years. Uh, but you're right, it is a little confusing because it seems like she goes to India straight after the end of season three. But I think her reading Eat, Pray, Love is meant to be set maybe a year or two after. Gotcha. And okay. so, you know, she's just kind of estranged from Tobias. And we get the return here of Ed Helms as the realtor. Um, in possibly my favourite scene of this entire episode... Um, where they where they negotiate the size of the house, um, and <laughs> of course, um, when he was in before, Et Helms was um, <clears throat> was looking around the house, and he saw Lindsay, and he said, "I like what I see," and she took this to mean that they were going to have some kind of affair, uh, which of course ended up with her being in a you know in a house in the shower, and the kids being disappointed because there were no cookies downstairs. <laughs> it was merely cookies. Uh, you know the smell of cookies so ed helms returns here and um you know he (laughs) he 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 kind of talks about what they've got uh you know um because he's he's looking to get them into a home um and you know he he says just the two of you you have no children and Lindsay immediately goes we don't and then eventually she goes there's one thing we do have and then of course james carr goes work ethic and she goes, right, no work ethic, but we do have a daughter. <laughs> and that's where the, isn't that and where I, the camera kind of pans away to see maybe yeah, like standing it does, right yeah. there? Maybe it's been standing there the whole time. And then she goes, I could have spoken up, but I just wanted to see if you guys got there, which is one of my favorite lines. Um, and I like, <laughs> this is kind of a build up to a really silly joke, but it's one of my favorite things because it's basically James Carr explaining the uh, the kind of the, the market, the kind of the the crazy loans that were given out by saying, you seem like a great family. We have to be realistic. And I'm in the real estate business. 
it's 2006. I don't know why he says that, but I love that gag like yeah. of him grounding it. So you're right, it is 2006. I'm confusing the timeline myself. And he goes, that's all good enough for me. We're going to put you in a ninja loan. No income, no jobs, no assets. Well, I think in uh, the, the reason for the 2006 line is that it was two years before the housing crisis. Um, if you've seen uh, The Big Short, uh, you'll know that they are in yes. for some trouble with their giant mansion yeah. that they're sold. Well, the weird thing is, though, is when Michael's there, he's talking about the stimulus loans, which didn't come until yeah. later. So. Hmm. I don't know. I guess you're going to you're going to miss something in kind of trying to get 15 episodes to work like this. I kind of like the running line too, where when Ed Helms is selling them on on bigger and bigger, and bigger house. Uh, yeah. His justification is so at least you'll have it. It's like you need the <laughs> yeah. bigger you need the bigger garage. Well, so then you have it. Well, I like how he sells this house by saying you don't have to pay a penny for two years. Yeah which obviously means 2008. Right. Um, and I like how Tobias responds by going, oh, Ninja, please. Which is <laughs> <laughs> such a stupid... But it's all this kind of build-up of Ed Helms saying this just for Tobias to make that stupid And I, I miss the Ninja's an acronym, right? No income, no job, something like that. Yeah. Okay. No assets. No assets. Although that should be an extra N. Yeah. That should be Ninja. ninja. But, but I guess that doesn't work for the joke. Um, and of course, the t- over the, all the time, the narrator is saying... You have to remember, this is a time where banks are eager to create as much debt as possible. And then <laughs> Tobias says, five bedroom, four car garage. And I like how, as you say, Ed Helms is like, you know, you're going to be okay with one master bedroom. But, you know, people like to, people prefer two. And then, <laughs> and then he goes, you know, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. You don't need a wine cellar, but if you're going to do wine tastings in your butler's kitchen. And it's just this kind of, yeah. I just love how it, each time it just incrementally gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I like how we get the, this is kind of a subtle drop where he says, I just put John Beard into a house with a double gate house. And he's John Beard and he's on television. No one's going to look down on you because you have less than John Beard, (laughs) which sets up a joke later on. Um, And so they end up having like a double gate house on this gigantic house. I like as well how, um, you know, once they're in the home, uh, there is this thing of them kind of yelling stuff to each other from different parts of the house. Um, uh, but we find out that they have a um, they have a, a Roomba, but unfortunately, because the place is so large, it just runs. It just stops. And um, I like how Tobias goes, "Poor little guy, ran out of juice before he could reach his." <laughs> and he doesn't and even stops. finish the sentence because he's as exhausted as a Roomba was. I just, I think the scene is also kind of like it, it's the show acknowledging how it's kind of ludicrous that they have to film a lot of these scenes with the actors that are supposed to be, where the characters are supposed to be together, but the actors are not there at the same time. And my understanding was that David Cross and Portia de Rossi were not on set the same day when they did it. And that's why that they they filmed yelling at each other, but in different rooms. Yeah, for most most of it, yeah, they were kind of apart, uh, which is obviously why, you know, Lindsay and Tobias's storyline kind of diverge a little bit later on in the episode. And I like as well how we get, you know, the work on the testimony, um, which will, you know, lead Lindsay to the Method One acting clinic, where she's she's talking about Lucille and she's reading from, from this script and she says... Uh, am I being accidentally funny or am I purpose or am I purposely being funny? And Lucy is like, it's not supposed to be funny. And she goes, suckled at her champagne glass breasts isn't a joke. <laughs> of course, Lucille goes, Buster wrote it, which, you know, <laughs> makes complete sense. Um, but I like here we get a, a um, <laughs> was that a flashback to, then? Right. Yeah. We then get the flashback okay. to camp kiss a mommy. <laughs> 
where young Buster is in this is in this um, this kind of like tent writing a letter back to his to to Lucille, and he goes, uh, you know, when I was when I was cold, you clothed me. When I was hungry, uh, how do I say this? And you just hear a voice sh- shout, "Suckled at your champagne glass breasts," <laughs> and it turns out, you know, that obviously it's Kristen Wiig as the young Lucille yelling out you know what, what's going to be in the letter so Buster didn't even write it like even though we get this flashback to show that Buster wrote it he didn't actually write it it was a line that he was fed by Lucille and brilliant um, casting by the way bringing uh Kristen Wiig in that as young Lucille I think uh I think Kristen Wiig does a great job in all the the kind of now they've actually got her in the flashbacks because obviously previously in flashbacks it was just Jessica Walters as as a younger version of himself, so they've kind of they've kind of got you know they're able to kind of do something slightly different with those flashbacks, um, and you know this is where we find out um, that things have gotten bad because John Beard is on TV and he says that there's you know the collapse of the the California housing market is taking a personal toll, um, and there's layoffs at the station, and I like <laughs> that he leaves his keys to his home on on his desk as he quits. <laughs> and it's just like this is the news anchor like quitting on air no yeah but quitting and giving up his house yeah. all at the same time <laughs> so he clearly can't you know stay there and I, I like as well how tobias you know is is seems to think that this is this is okay because you know um he, that, that Lindsay and tobias are okay yeah this is not this isn't gonna hit us yeah never better is, is how he <laughs> phrases it and <laughs> i like how um, this is the point where they're yelling at each other from other sides of the houses. And of course, Lindsay is saying, how am I supposed to say something like, I love you, mother, and sound believable? <laughs> Which, you know, um, and Tobias says, you know, uh, I've been dying to go to that method acting clinic I see on my nightly drives. So I don't know where, I mean, I don't know what Tobias is doing, but he's going on these drives past a methadone clinic. Um, so obviously he's going into some kind of like unsavory parts of the, the neighborhood for some reason. Um, which I'm sure we'll have to wait until his episode for to find out why. Um, and, you know, this is where they come upon the idea, as they find out they're actually in the same part of the house, as they, they run into each other inside the closet, and they suggest that maybe they should go to this clinic together so that uh, Lindsay can improve her performance of making it believable that she actually loves her mother. This is also kind of a callback to, like, Tobias not knowing how to... Sp- or- not understanding words or like how to like spelling like uh didn't he call himself like a, an anarchist at one point yes he did it wasn't the spelling that worried buster either um <laughs> but yeah so <laughs> yeah he, yeah he's not understanding uh, of words that are, are kind of put together it is quite funny um and once they get to the clinic i like how the woman you know who's there as a supervisor asks them to fill out some paperwork and asks, um, you know, how they got hooked. And of course, Tobias comes in with a uh, uh, one of the many peanuts callbacks where he says, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. And it's just like, um, OK, <laughs> I, I, I like how I like how, you know, um, she kind of, you know, is puzzled by that answer, basically. But because that was a callback to like an older episode. Oh, I mean, they've used they've used um you know the various bits of peanuts score, haven't they? For when people are right. sad, they they bow their heads. <laughs> so uh, they're obviously peanuts fans. And um, this is where, as as Tobias says, they're starting the monologues, <laughs> uh, where, where Debris um, is on stage and she, you know, um, is is kind of confessing why she became an addict. 
Um, and this is, of course, where Lindsay asks, what did you say the name of this acting class was again? And he says, Method One Clinic. <laughs> <laughs> and we see the Garden Grove Methadone Clinic is where they actually are. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of I kind of like that, you know, it this that kind of leads. I mean, in terms of like Tobias's story, that that is basically his arc then for the rest of the season. Right. It comes from going to this acting clinic. Um, and we meet here Marky Bark, who is the son of Johnny Bark, who, you know, of course, was played by Clint Howard, um, uncle to Bryce Dallas Howard, <laughs> I believe is how he's best known. Um, and <laughs> I like how um, Marky Bark's obviously assuming this to be a, a clinic full of heroin junkies. He, he says to Lindsay, you know, what do you weigh, like 90 pounds, which she takes as a compliment, obviously. <laughs> and, um, you know, his his name, you know, he's written bite me because he doesn't want to give his name to any state organization. Um, and <laughs> we get this little diversion <laughs> of where we find out that he signed up for the wrong political group. <laughs> and the narrator tells us he joined Al Qaeda. <laughs> no, he joined Al Qaeda by accident. Yeah, and I like how it's like he only signed up because of the free beard brush. <laughs> and the narrator says, this says Al-Qaeda on it. But he maybe he thought it was the designer of the brush. <laughs> I like here as well. I would have liked actually if they'd have had Clint Howard come back as Johnny Bark at some point. Because I think that would have been fun. Well, did they, they said he died, right? Or I don't know if he yes, died on the show or if it was like implied later on. No, that is what they say next. They um, they basically explain how he died because Lindsay thought that, you know, he was going to fall out of a tree one day and break his neck. And, of course, Marky Bark says, you know, uh, when she asks what happened, he goes, oh, he fell out of a tree and broke his neck. <laughs> and she goes, oh, God. And he goes, no, I'm just kidding. But he's dead. <laughs> and he died from natural causes, which is a bunch of deranged bees chased him out of a tree and he fell to his death. So he did, he did fall out of a tree and break his neck. I guess but Clint Howard like, is probably not available. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he was busy on the set of Rush. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what Ron Howard was doing at this particular time. But yeah, so this is where we find out that Marky Bark and Debris um, are actually um, uh, a couple and they've come to the clinic together. Um uh, and Marky, you know, he, he makes it clear what's going on with debris when he says she can only keep food uh, down for about 20 minutes after crashing off the methadone. So, so it's just like... I got to say, um, too, like, it, debris, uh, she's played by Maria Bamford. Uh, yeah. Perfect, like, perfect casting. You know, she's always kind of weird anyways. And so uh, I just, I love seeing her. There's a scene, I think, where they're in the, uh, that that barter restaurant where she starts eating the butter uh, so it's just like clearly <laughs> yeah. just like off the rails yeah and i like as well how tobias is you know he's talking to we get this we get this clever little bit of lines where Lindsay says he's amazing he's so passionate about realist issues he's an activist like me and tobias goes and she's a real actress like me and obviously <laughs> neither neither is Lindsay an activist nor is tobias an actor um but I like that he says real actress like me. So he classifies himself as, as an, an actress, actress rather than an actor, uh, which I think is quite funny. Um, and then, of course, he talks about how, you know, a lot of actors, the teeth go, which doesn't make any <laughs> sense. But I like how he's trying to cover for her already. And I, and obviously, you know, the, the most biting of satire when he says she is the perfect age to be a Hollywood actress. 42. 42. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, says a lot about, you know, Hollywood in general. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we go to the barter restaurant uh, where Loretta, who was previously at um, uh, the restaurant where um, 
where Lucille and Lindsay had a fight. I can't remember the name of that restaurant now from like season one. Anyway, so we, we get a roughly similar kind of introduction from Loretta at, at CW Swappigans, where she says, we're like a Salvation Army meets a soup kitchen meets a gastro pub meets a Marxist or Leninist type <laughs> social structure. And she says, uh, if you look at the bottom of the menu, you can see we don't have fish and we're not taking any more lava lamps, <laughs> which is, you know, which is quite fun. Um, and, you know, obviously, um, <laughs> without realising it, uh, Tobias has taken some methadone. And so now he is high on methadone uh, and he has like a, a tray that he's taken from the clinic and they they they, uh, <laughs> they swap that for mozzarella sticks. So um, they they set up that joke a little bit, weren't they? On the way there to the restaurant, it they they yeah. did some camera trickery where it made it look like Tobias was driving, but instead he was really just holding that tray. Yeah, he's holding the tray. Yeah, so he thought he was driving, which is why he's very confused when he gets to the restaurant. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he swiped the tray because he thought they were going somewhere. Uh, she, no, that's where Lindsay had swiped the, the methadone tray because you know she knew she needed something to barter. <laughs> um, and, you know, you can hear that, um, you know, Marky Bark wants some table water and he's going to exchange hotel soaps and they're not going to take it. <laughs> of course, I like as well how David Cross is completely out of it for the entire of the scene where he's like, wait a second, I wasn't driving. <laughs> All this like he just has these little interjections throughout the, the scene where he's kind of like still kind of feeling the effects. Um, and obviously Debris is too. So does, does Tobias think he's in a relationship with debris at this time, but she's really in a relationship with Marky Bark. I didn't really understand like the, the dynamic there. I think, I think the thing, the joke uh, which happens uh, in a couple of scenes time, which explains this is Marky Bark has face blindness. <laughs> and so he can't tell debris from um, Lindsay because essentially they're kind of similar looking. Right. So I think the fact that he transfers his affection from debris to Lindsay is just based on the fact that he can't really tell what they look like. Okay. Um, so there's a little bit of that, but also the fact that Marky Bark kind of is breaking up with Debris <laughs> or is kind of doesn't want to be with Debris anymore because, you know, of her drug habit. And, um, you know, uh, this is where, um, uh, you know, Debris swaps, uh, swaps the butter, um, you know, or they were going to swap the butter for the dessert and she starts eating the butter and Tobias starts improvising going, uh, it seems like you're liking that butter substitute at Swapigans. <laughs> yes, and what else could you swap it for? Uh, yes, yes, and um, I'm out. She's too good. <laughs> face blindness is a real thing, by the way. I thought they were just like, I thought they had made up like a <laughs> like a fake illness, but uh, it's... Uh, oh, no, it, no. Apparently. Brad Pitt has it. Yeah. Brad, yeah. yeah. Brad Pitt has face blindness. He's quite famous for it. It's the opposite of... This is a little bit of a diversion, but there was a documentary I heard on Radio 4 a number of years ago where um, there are people who have um, that thing where they can remember everything, mm -hmm. and, and face blindness is essentially the same thing, but the opposite. So there are people who you say to them, you know, you, you say what... You give them a, a date, and, and they'll tell you exactly what they did on that date and who they met, and, you know, they'll remember the face of every single person they see. Um, and the opposite of that is people who can never make out any shapes and they, they just know that people are from their voices and from other things, they'll kind of be able to figure out who people are, but if they can't tell any discerning facial features and it's, it's a real thing, but, um, yeah, it does seem like something that Arrested Development would make up as a joke, <laughs> um, for a character. The way that Mark, the Marky Bar character kind of 
uh, revealed it toward the end was a little goofy, I guess. Um, so I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's that's a weird thing that they made up. But I uh, look, yeah, sure enough, it's it's a real real uh, illness. Um, and uh, you know, we get to see um, what's something that will ha- will happen in later episodes, which is the Thanksgiving um from a year earlier where there's a duck and they it's in the cupboard and they 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 kind of use these signs of their old businesses to push it into the oven and then they close it and tobias says it's going to be the greatest thanksgiving ever (laughs) Um, and when we see that in later episodes we realize that they didn't actually cook the duck properly so you know they go to eat it and it just gets up off the table um uh, yeah, so, you know, this is where Lindsay tells Marky Bark about her, you know, how she's got a large family house, but they've never made a payment, uh, which, of course, places this episode firmly in 2008, just after the collapse. Um, and, you know, Marky Bark takes this as Lindsay sticking it to the bank. But in reality, they didn't have to pay anything for two years. Um, so and we find out here that Marky Bark runs an ostrich farm. Um, and there's a little musical sting here, actually, where you have some Indian singers and in the background they sing Coincidence. <laughs> and, I didn't I did and, not pick up on that. And the, the ostrich is a nice little callback to earlier in the episode. That, and the, that same musical sting played when um, when when the ostrich appeared then as well. Um, and we when Lindsay goes, that's not a coincidence. The Indian singers go, yes, it is <laughs> over the top. Um, so like, once again, some fun little kind of musical sting jokes. Um, we find out here that, you know, um, Marky Bark, um, <laughs> he says that his motto is live truthfully and skate through life. <laughs> And the narrator reveals that this is actually the motto of a surf company. And we see a very quick commercial where a skater goes, live truthfully, skate through life. And it's so well done. I just love it's kind of exactly the kind of thing that a skate company would kind of espouse, um, you know. uh, And at this particular point, um, (laughs) we find out that, um, you know, uh, Marky Bark is feeling a connection with uh, Lindsay um, uh, something that he's only ever felt with debris um, and um, he says I can't believe how little you give you give your teeth sorry how little give your teeth have <laughs> which is such a kind of you know obviously be, you know being around a kind of heroin addict that is something that obviously must be quite common is the the loss of the teeth and so I like how he's amazed that she's actually got all her teeth and that that is like a selling point um and, you know, once again, um, the uh, Eddie Peppertone points out that they don't take hotel soap, <laughs> which is just like a background joke going on. Um, and, you know, um, I like here how quickly, um, you know, uh, Lindsay and Marky Bark get together. Um, and <laughs> the narrator tells us uh, the new lovers discovered each other, the beautiful female body. The horrible male, <laughs> which is it's like a weird, like what a, what a weird comment to make, but I think it's, it's pretty funny. I, but I think my favorite part, uh, so I, so this is like after the restaurant, they're driving yeah. back to her, his place, right? I'm trying to remember like the, the exact timeline, but they they stop. She's on the phone, and he goes up. I think this was the reveal of his face blindness. Maybe it was when she's on the phone to um, at a, in a phone booth. And he walks up to it, and she's kind of like smiling at him, and he like he, he starts yelling at her, like "Get off the phone, lady!" <laughs> because he didn't know that was yeah. her. 
<laughs> she's like, what? Yeah. what are you doing? He's like, oh, well, I face blindness. So I just profess my love to some random woman in the bathroom. She kind of details, you know, about, you know, she, she kind of, in the phone call, she details to Tobias that, you know, um, we were trying to save something that couldn't be saved and I have to follow my shaman's advice and got to be true to myself and, you know, Marky sees me for who I really am. And of course, that setup of he sees me for who I really am <laughs> is the setup to the face blindness. Um, and, you know, um, we hear Marky Bark yelling as well, false alarm, I don't love you, <laughs> to whoever is in the bathroom. Um, and of course, Lindsay says, can you delete this so I can leave a message for maybe? And we find out in a few episodes time that none of the messages for anybody got deleted. <laughs> um, it's funny as well, because the narrator comments on how quick Marky Bark is in his lovemaking and you know they arrive um, at, at the new the new desert home dancing and making love all night and um <laughs> lindsay goes now that time was also very quick <laughs> and i like how you think she's going to say like you know it went on longer or whatever and of course uh, marky bark says well we freed up the time to dance the night away <laughs> and then they just start dancing again uh, this was after and a it, scene where they were like at a they they made love at a like a traffic light <laughs> okay yeah they're in traffic in in his um in his uh in fact that is a parallel which you know is obviously with um lucille because you know she fell for a, a kind of activist who lived in his own trailer um so you know it's something that obviously must run in the family even though Lindsay, of course is not related to lucille at any point so um and you know uh, we we find out that um, Joan Bark, uh, I assume the wife of Johnny Bark, um, yells, um, "Get away from her!" Like, uh, don't, you know, she goes, "Yeah," she goes, "Get away from her! Don't mess with her! She's none of your business." Uh, this is when we we see, um, you know, the, uh, the the ostrich trying to attack Lindsay, <laughs> and of course, Lindsay, as with the the other person yelling at an ostrich, uh, that turned out to not be yelling at an ostrich. She is not yelling at the ostrich. She goes, um, she goes, get away from her, you slut. You're scaring the bird, <laughs> uh, which I quite, which I thought was quite funny. Um, and I like as well how Marky Bark, in telling his mom that you know this is the new uh, person that he's, you know, is going to be living with them, he says she tells me she's pretty, <laughs> which I think is you know already they're using the face blindness for, for some kind of you know uh, funny jokes. Um, and of course, at the end, Lindsay then says. I have the worst shaman. <laughs> and we see on the next episode of Arrested Development, we're back at the courtroom slash uh, oyster bar where <laughs> Barry says the defense calls to the oyster bar thing where they sit, the adopted daughter, Lindsay Bruth. And we see an empty chair at Lucille's trial. With um, her face next on to, it. Yeah, next to basically all the other <laughs> chairs which are empty. Um, and uh, the, the judge is actually called Corn Zucker, which is obviously the opposite of Zucker Corn. Oh. Um, so, so it's such it, little things like that that you have to really <laughs> pay attention to those details. Uh, and of course he says, shrimp shooter night starts in 15 minutes. <laughs> is your witness going to appear? <laughs> Do we know why the the trial's there? Is there an explanation? I can't remember. I mean, I just... It's it's revealed in um, in uh, in Lucille's episode. Okay. I'll save that I'll save that surprise yeah. for the listeners who, once we get to Lucille's episode. But yeah, there is a reason why it's being held okay. there. But I like as well how, <laughs> how Barry tries some... Um, pun humor when he goes appear he goes oh I thought the one on the pier was a, a Bubba Gumps <laughs> um, and of course um, Lindsay cuts her hair um, which you know makes her appear even cuter and <laughs> we see Tobias 
doing some some kind of acting in his new profession where he says uh, where the addict goes I'm an addict and I'm starving and <laughs> Tobias goes yes you are starving would you like some butter I can give you some butter uh, and you can pay for it with a shoe I'm sorry this guy's not giving my guy anything to react to could <laughs> I get some more of that acting juice <laughs> acting juice oh, so the okay so I didn't and when I first watched it I didn't pick up on acting juice was the methadone yes okay yeah <laughs> That's you gotta you really gotta pay attention to this stuff. You know, this is a relatively straightforward episode. There's a lot of the other episodes, you know, like the Job episodes and the Michael episodes, uh, that have a tendency to hop backwards and forwards in time, and you have to kind of figure out exactly when you are. Um, and in fact, you know, when Lindsay's on the plane, she um, pushes her seat back because the person behind her. It keeps trying to, I don't know, has their knees up or something. And we find out that that's actually um, Tobias um, in a couple of episodes' time, who was having his seat knocked back onto him. Um, so there's little things like that that they kind of set up. This episode actually doesn't have like a huge amount of them, apart from, you know, the reference to Anus Tart mm-hmm. and, you know, like that chair gag and obviously maybe being the shaman. You know, there's, this is a lot less interconnected than some of the other episodes mm-hmm. where... That you, they will have like lines that are said in the background that turn out to be on a different episode. They turn out to be another character. Um, although obviously you know the reference to um, to the deranged bees is you know probably a reference to Job and his bees that he he finally gets to own you know his bees. I don't know bees. <laughs> yeah, bee bees. I don't know. I don't know how that becomes profitable for him, but you know we'll find out uh, in Colony Collapse. It's interesting as well, you know, obviously uh, Buster has no lines in this episode, although he does appear. Uh, George and George Michael aren't actually in this episode, um, you know, aside from kind of in the background of, of any uh, footage from Development Arrested. Yeah, I think the, I think, uh, I think Tony Hale was, I think they used like stock footage of him maybe for that scene. It was the scene in Lucille's yeah. apartment. They kind of like panned yeah. him, but I'm pretty sure he was not actually... Like there among the like the main cast at that point. At this particular point, I think Tony Hale is on Veep, mm-hmm. and so you know that's the thing kind of that's why he only has one episode essentially, um, and appears very little in the uh, in the other episodes. But uh, yeah, so uh, I think overall, you know, uh, I think fairly enjoyable. I would say it was a, <laughs> I mean, it was a good episode. There was a like I said, there was a ton in it, and you really. You know, 29 minutes, like, there was multiple plots, tons of characters. I mean, it's a very packed episode. Um, Nice callbacks, nice foreshadowing. I I thought it was a really solid episode. And as well, you know, a little tiny bit of commentary on the whole, um, you know, (laughs) the whole housing collapse in 2008. You know, something that obviously, given that this is a show about um housing development it's kind of fortuitous yeah. that that was their kind of chosen that was the kind of main profession of the family because it gives them a lot to comment on when we get to particularly you know like michael um and um and george senior's episodes you know those are really a lot about the kind of the collapse of the 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 housing market in uh in 2008 and stuff so um yeah and i think i think um you know, there is a tendency to criticize some of these episodes because obviously they, they rely on a lot of guests. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Ed Helms and um, Chris, I'm never going to be able to get the surname right, Diamatopoulos and, um, you know, Maria Bamford. I think they're really good guest stars in this episode. You know, Maria Bamford's not in a great deal of this episode, but yeah. I think they kind of, you know, they are really good. Um, you know, really good in the this kind of small roles that they 
they have in this episode. And it does help kind of fill in for the spaces of, you know, not having, you know, George Michael or, you know, not having George Senior or, you know, there's, you know, there's various little kind of stuff of, of not having the other um, cast members there. And they've managed to fill them out with some really good kind of guest um, stars. Um, Ed Helms in particular, I think, in this episode, is, yeah. his whole scene is really, really good. Was This this is only his second time appearing in the show, right? Wasn't he just yes. that one other time? Uh, yeah, he was just, and it was very briefly where he, he, you know, he just, he made a house smell like cookies and, and Lindsay thought she was, you know, he was coming on to her and that's pretty much all his character was before. And obviously his character will have a tragic end when we get to the, um, I think it's the second Tobias episode or something. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, his character doesn't do well out of the collapse of the housing no. market, unfortunately. No, you could, you could, uh, uh, you could see that in that scene. When he, uh, <laughs> the, not not a huge surprise that he was not going to make it out of two thousand eight, uh, his career. Um, so, is there anything else we need to say about this episode? Do you think, Adam? I don't think so. It's uh, give it a shot. I, you know, I I know that the new season, season four was it's different. It's a good departure, largely because they were not able to get the entire cast together. But um, what I loved about it was that it really it gave each character uh, some time to shine. Um, this was a really strong Tobias episode, even though it wasn't like a focus on him. Um, yeah. So it, it was it was a really I really enjoyed it. I want to watch it again to pick up on a lot of little things, especially maybe <laughs> as the shaman. I didn't even pick up on that. Um, a lot of subtle jokes and things like that. So, uh, you know, give yeah. it a shot. Watch it a couple times, maybe. And it does give us um, the suckled at her champagne glass breasts. <laughs> which is that's that's such key. Such a kind of a horrifying line, um, you know, from from Buster. <laughs> um, so okay, well, is there anything that you wish to plug before we go? Uh, sure. So I um, I'm also on the Seat Fillers podcast. Uh, you can find us at theseatfillers.com. Uh, we also do television. Uh, we're going to be doing Game of Thrones recaps. Uh, find us at the Seat Fillers on Twitter. Uh, you can search us online uh, and I um, was really happy to be here. If you wish to follow us, we are on Twitter at huge mistake pod. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, uh, subscribe on iTunes, rate and review all the rest of it. Um, otherwise, thanks very much for being my guest here today, Adam. All right, thank you. And goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>